Hello, I'm Charlotte Leslie, the Director of the Conservative Middle East Council, and I'm speaking to you from the 2023 Manama Dialogue in Bahrain. It's over a month and a half since the terror attack of Hamas on Israel, and over a month and a half since Israel began its military operation in defence. The events in Gaza are understandably dominating the conversation here in Bahrain on what's happening in Gaza, what can be done about it, the effectiveness of a military intervention on a group like Hamas, and what the perception is in the region of various responses around the world, including the UK and the West. I'm here at the Manama Dialogue with Ambassador Hossam Zaki, who is the Chief of Staff to the Assistant Secretary General of the League of Arab States. Your Excellency, thank you for taking the time to be with me today. We're here in Bahrain today with events going on in Gaza which are quite unprecedented for, for recent times. We haven't seen this kind of decimation of a people for a very long time. We in Britain have our own conversation we're having about that. How is that crisis seen in the region? And how is the response of the UK and the USA seen from the Arab states, from where we are now? Well, unfortunately, as you said, this is a, a crisis of mega proportions. And the way the Israeli war machine has been attacking civilians in Gaza is almost, yes, unprecedented in this scale uh, or unseen in this scale for a long time. But it's not new. Those wars happened before and they will happen again for as long as the Israelis keep trying to apply a security solution. You asked me about the UK's position and the US position. And I can very safely tell you that in the Arab street and the Arab public opinion and including the Arab governments, oh, not many were happy with uh, those uh, positions that came out of London and Washington. And maybe London and Washington will not be really keen to, uh, but I assure you that the way the positions that have aligned themselves totally with the Israeli position adopted the Israeli rhetoric, adopted the Israeli narrative, and sort of either completely ignored the Palestinian perspective on the issue, the Palestinian suffering that has been inflicted upon uh, civilians for over 40 days now. This has uh, really been offending and hurtful. I think it was a difficult thing to, to uh, accept or to swallow. But really, we had hoped that uh, Countries such as the UK would take a more even-handed approach toward this issue. But unfortunately, we found out that it was the Israeli narrative all, all uh, through and some meager words to placate the Palestinians and their so-called suffering, and that's it. And, and that is not at all what we were hoping for, and that's not what the situation needs, actually. The situation needs responsible countries with responsible attitudes that deal with the situation in a way that addresses the grievances of both parties and uh, put the blame where the blame should be put. When you have 
a war machine like the one that is uh, conducted by Israel, crushing civilians, crushing children and women and elderly, without real words coming out of any official's mouth uh, in the West, that is really something that we, we remember. And uh, it is not lost. It is, it is there in the memory. It will remain. This is why we say often that our lives are not less worthy than Israeli lives or any other lives. Our lives, our, our blood, the blood of our children, the blood of our civilians is equally worthy just as much as the blood of other nationalities and, and races uh, and religions. There is no differentiation there. And I think when you tackle this, you should not tackle it only in words, but you should tackle it in deeds, and you should demonstrate that you care about all the lives, all the civilians' lives, all the victims' lives, just as much. So not a hundred words to condemn one act, and then just a couple of words to condemn an equally, if not more, horrific acts. This is wrong, and it's not going to lead us anywhere, and it will definitely hurt the credibility of those who uh, adopt this approach. And it probably goes without saying, I haven't heard a single voice here who hasn't unequivocally condemned the brutality and the terror attack of Hamas. And that's the case, isn't it? It's possible to condemn Hamas and also be diabolically concerned about what is happening to the people of Gaza. I think there are more killed now in the last month and a bit than have been killed in Ukraine by Russia. How do you see this military intervention eradicating Hamas? Honestly, I, I don't buy into the argument that it will. I don't think that this is going to uproot Hamas or all the big words that we have heard from some politicians in Israel, including the prime minister. But they want to keep mobilizing the world uh, opinion behind them, the West's opinion, more importantly, behind them. They want to give it uh, in their, what in their view is a worthy goal. So they keep talking about these issues. Frankly, Hamas, as has been said, and you must have heard this, Hamas is an idea. It's an idea of resistance. The resistance sometimes goes wrong, goes in uh, erroneous ways, and it is difficult to control all these acts. When they go wrong, we, we do condemn them, and they are not happy with the condemnation. The Palestinians are not happy with the condemnation, but we do because this is based on our human values and our religious values as well. And as I say always, Try to keep your moral high ground, even if you're fighting for your country, you're fighting for your independence, you're fighting a ruthless enemy like the Israelis, you're fighting for your independence, your independent state. Try to keep the moral high ground. Do not steep low and go uh, do things just like your enemy does. Do not imitate your enemy in this your enemy has no values. Your enemy does things uh, that are abhorrent. You should not go that low. You should try always to keep that moral high ground. This is not easy, but it is necessary if you need us 
to understand and support what you're doing. But this being said, again, we're talking about what Hamas is doing, and we should do that just in parallel with what Israel is doing. What the Israelis have been doing in this case is not only cruel, it is criminal, and I think they should be prosecuted by the International Criminal Court. What is the perception across the region of the West's upholding of international law? There has been controversy, let's put it that way, going back some years over Israeli settlements, which are deemed illegal under international law. How is that viewed from the region by the West now? Well, I talked about uh, credibility and the problem with positions taken by the West uh, during this war is that it has undermined severely the credibility of uh, Europe on a variety of issues. So people really do not believe that Europe holds any kind of right balance when it comes to such a question. Yes, people may have lost, lost hope with American positions because of their natural bias to Israel. We had a hope that uh, Europe would continue to be just and even-handed, but that didn't happen. Uh, but I have to say that some countries were really an example of principled positions, and uh, they have all our respect for that. Say, for instance, the Republic of Ireland, the Kingdom of Spain. Just to give you a couple of examples, there are more. Those countries deserve all our appreciation, deserve all our admiration, because in the middle of this high wave of Israeli propaganda, they have held their ground and they have been able to... uh, tell it like they really believe it. Where do you see Russia and China in all this? Well, Russia and China both have a much better understanding and a much more even-handed position toward the question of Palestine and the Palestinian aspirations. So uh, clearly they have positioned themselves in a way that makes them closer to Uh, the Arab position uh, than anybody else. And looking forward, there's a lot of talk. The hostages is the primary issue in the hearts and minds of the Israelis and and the Western world. Do you see any likelihood of the hostages being released anytime soon? I hope so. Uh, I hope uh, the negotiations that are uh, conducted in this regard will uh, succeed. No one wants to see... uh, Uh, a prolonged hostage situation such as the one that we are are facing now. But again, we do not also want to see thousands of uh, uh, administratively held prisoners uh, in the uh, the Israeli jails. That is uh, for sure. So I hope those hostages uh, are released as soon as possible. uh, And I hope the negotiations will succeed in this regard. And finally, for the future, What does a peaceful solution to all this look like? It seems far off now, but is there one? And what does it look like? There should be one. There should be one. Anything other than a political solution will fail. I can bet you that the Israelis will go for a security solution, as they have done in the past. It has failed miserably. It will continue to fail. Security solutions do not work to tackle 
or to resolve a political conflict, period. So we need to work in terms of political solutions. This is the only way to resolve this, and I hope we will have partners in the North, partners in Europe and elsewhere, in order to be able to do that. Your Excellency, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. We finally reached the end of the Manama Dialogue 2023, and I'm here with, and I hope she doesn't mind me describing her as this, a, a Manama Dialogue veteran, Baria Alamuddin. Baria, can you introduce yourself and say a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Bari Alamuddin. I'm Lebanese-British and I've been living in the UK actually for 42 years, uh, thanks to an Israeli invasion in 1982 of my country. I'm a journalist, a columnist, and I just published a book on the militia state in Iraq called Militia State, and uh, it's on the th- third edition, I hope, with some reviews, uh, and I will be happy to talk to you. Baria, thank you. We were all at the opening dinner for the Manama Dialogue where the Crown Prince, the Crown Prince of Bahrain, gave a speech that was received varyingly, but uh, with a lot of compliments from many quarters. What did you make of the Crown Prince's opening speech? I must declare an interest. I'm a great admirer of the Crown Prince over the years. I've known him to be somebody who's extremely knowledgeable, well-read, an intellectual who knows the world around him with vast experience. I thought his speech came across as quite passionate and also full of content, which I really enjoyed. And people, to be honest with you, were waiting to see what countries in the area that belong to the Abraham Accords think and and what do they say. Israeli propaganda would have you believe that these countries have abandoned uh, the Palestinian cause and uh, they don't really care how many people die in Gaza or whatever. Anyway, I find this his speech saying exactly the opposite of that, that still the core problems in this area is really the, the Palestinian cause. And I think it's not only for this area. When I think of the Palestinian cause, I think of it as a human issue. As you know, Charlotte, human rights are not divisible. They are they're international. They are uh, indeed belong to every human on on this earth. So I would think of it as a just cause that really should concern every human being around the world. It's crystal clear to me that this is how the Crown Prince speech came across. Uh, And I I thought in the Arab world, it has been extremely well received. And uh, he had uh, very high praise from different quarters, Uh, maybe not the axis of resistance or axis of evil, as as you like to put it. I also, to be honest, uh, thought that in, in, in Bahrain, uh, he represented point of view of the, his people. He very much represented what the people felt. And if anything, this conference, particular conference, that said uh, very little about anything else except Gaza. It was There was hardly anything said about Ukraine, hardly anything said about Sudan or any other thing. It, it was a, almost a flip-flop between last year's conference that was full of unity between the Americans and the Europeans and and people in this area. If anything, this conference made clear there was a huge division. Elsewhere in the conference, we heard one person make the claim that 
all roads of division and disruption lead back to Iran. And then someone else disagree with that person and say, no, all roads of discord and disturbance and disruption actually lead back to the Israel-Palestine issue. What do you make of that? And what do you make of the role of Iran in all this? Oh, definitely both of them are disruptive and lead to division in this area. I, I think that the, the role of Iran in the area is diminishing slowly but surely, and I think people are starting to see that all this bombasting talk about, you know, freeing uh, the Palestinians and destroying Israel, God forbid, uh, actually come, came to nothing uh, almost. Uh, Iran indeed is very disruptive, especially with its role and its proxies around the area we all know, and it's very well documented what they are trying to do, what they have done, and they use these Arab proxies uh, to uh, further their own uh, interests in the area and around the world. This is becoming clearer and clearer to people in the area, although they are trying very hard uh, to sell, especially in my country, Lebanon, Uh, the fact that this is just the beginning and what's happening in the south of Lebanon, which has already displaced about 50,000 people and killed at least 100 uh, people from from Hezbollah. These are young men who have had their lives ahead of them. Indeed, a a journalist has been killed in in Lebanon. And this is something I'd really like to... to, uh, Today, also, a journalist dead in in Gaza. There is now more than 50 journalists between Gaza and other places that have been killed by the Israelis. What I find ridiculous in, in this whole thing is is when when Israel hits hospitals or and the, and the international media says we don't know who did it or or you know international organizations, it's certainly not the Hamas killing their own people. They certainly are blamed for it already and rightly so. I don't I disagree with the Hamas attack on the seventh of of October. Of course, one does not forget the historic grievances of the of the Gaza people nevertheless this is not this is not an excuse to kill you know young uh, people and to kill women and and innocent uh, lives wars are wars and and soldiers die in in, in wars but civilians are a completely different ma- matter i do not think in my lifetime i have seen such barbaric and savage attacks on civilians uh, especially on the people of of Gaza and and so I, I think this, this conference gave many, many opinions uh, and, and, and excluded others, but nevertheless, it was rightly focused on Gaza, rightly so. Bare, you've been covering the region for many years and there's very few important people who you haven't interviewed. What do you make of the current crisis? The Middle East has never been an uneventful place Where are we now? Is this unusual and unprecedented in your experience of the region? Oh, indeed, yes. And and I think we have to see really deep changes. And I hope the changes will be to the better. I hope this has definitely moved forward, the the fact that there is a need for peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. The two-state King Abdullah plan is a perfect example of how to go forward with this. We still also have Iran in the area, and you asked me about it, and we didn't go at length into it. I think also Iran, uh, the disruption and the danger Iran poses should be addressed also by the international community before it is 
too late. Iran has to choose to live with its neighbor again with equal footing and not and not behave like it's the superior power. It's a Muslim country. There is no reason it shouldn't get along with the other Muslim countries in the area. Work together. Iran is now a poor country as it's supposed to be a rich country. The way they uh, deal with their women, the way they behave, their human rights record is appalling. They're very poor on justice or development for their people. So I, I hope this will be a time when everybody poses and think that and, and the Israelis will decide, and this is really crucial, that change of opinion in, in Israel, where the Israelis stop and think, no, we cannot have peace without making peace with the Palestinians, then everybody can live in peace. I, I, I find it difficult to believe there is one family in Israel today that can sleep in peace like it did before the 7th of October. And I hope this changes for both the Israelis and the Palestinians. Baria Alamuddin, thank you very much indeed. Mm-hmm.